Hello, this is um, all at United Methodist Church in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. We want to thank you for your presence here. Um, your um, prayer presence, your financial assistance is greatly appreciated. We're one of the Protestant uh, Methodist churches that are on television. Gary's been working on that for the last two weeks. That was not an uh, easy job. Uh, not only was it turned into the cement, screwed down, just as soon as Mike and Tina come, we're going to have the lighting of the Advent candle, and I don't think it would be inappropriate to have the scripture reading. And Boone, I see, is front and center while we're waiting for Mike and Tina to appear. Gary and Kathy have agreed the lighting of the Advent candle next week, and we have a couple other Sundays that are open. And do speak to Chris so that we can get it in the bulletin and fill those upcoming Sundays. And if you turn in your bulletins, we've pr actually printed out the scripture. So if you turn with me to your bulletins this morning, and if you're joining us by way of television, by way of television, we're just following the scripture according to Matthew, Matthew's gospel. We finished Matthew, but we're into Mark now with a similar portion of scripture. Mark, the 13th chapter, verses 24 and following and listen closely and as you listen you might want to turn and follow along also we received a gracious gift from janet northfeld she periodically watches us by way of television i want to acknowledge janet northfeld this day too and boone i think you're ready to share from bulletin insert and we're going to be doing kind of a stewardship messages periodically during the month of November and December, on the back side of the stewardship, you'll find the scripture. We made a copy of that from our church Bible. So follow along, if you would, according to Mark chapter 13. In Boone, it's also printed in a bulletin, if you have a bulletin. Yeah, I, I have a bulletin. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from here, if that's okay. Oh, sure. You're the it, boss. It might be, I didn't check to see if it was different from the big book up here. <laughs> All right, it'll be close. And greetings, loved ones. Greetings. Always good to see you. Great to see Marie back. Always a joy. From, yeah, from Mark 13, 24 through 37. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will not be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heaven will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of God coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth, to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away before all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away but my words will not pass away. But of that day or that hour, no one knows, 
not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work and commands, the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. That's the reading. Thanks be to God. Amen. Hallelujah. If, uh, hallelujah, brother. If you're joining us by way of television, that here, regardless of denominations, Protestant, Catholicism, that's a lectionary reading um, to uh, continue on through um, the Bible, and we try to adhere to um, lectionary. And at this time, um, we'd like to call on Mike and Tina. Would you come and share this morning? Today being the first day of Advent, the verses in the Bible read is to watch, keep awake. We're not only preparing for the Christmas season, the time when we celebrate Christ's birth, his coming to us, but we're also reminded here to keep watch, keep awake for Christ coming back now, for him coming back for his bride to take us home that final time. And it's, the world wants us to think it's a tough time, but we need to focus on Christ, that who is our hope. We know him as our hope. We believe in him as our hope. And we need to stay awake. The Bible says, keep watch for him. Not only in this season, celebrating his birth, we do with presents and we have symbolism of what his birth is to us. But for that second coming, to stay awake, and in that watch, we need to make sure that we're showing everybody else who Christ is. Whether it's a smile, you can tell. So smile at people, say hi to people, and when you get a chance, tell them about Christ. There's a reason why Christ has not come back yet, because we have more people to show him to show to them who he is. Christmas is the perfect time because people will listen and go to church when they won't any other time of year. And right now with the world the way it is, people are searching. They're hoping or wishing for something to find. So right now is the perfect time to show them who Christ is and show them to be waiting and watching and sharing Christ.
the word today was very poignant. We need to keep awake. We need to watch. And in doing so, we need to show people Christ so they can also keep watch and be waiting for our Christ to return. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning, Mike. See, I have to get dressed in the dark. Sorry about that again. <laughs> our first verse let us know that we are at the end of that tribulation. When the chapter was written, Jesus had already been, Jerusalem had already been destroyed, and Christian persecution was in full swing, but drawing to a quick and necessary end. We should notice it says that tribulation, not the tribulation. Jesus was specifically referring to the destruction of Jerusalem tribulation period, not the end times tribulation. During the end times tribulation, we'll see the universe taken away and literally remodeled by Jesus who returns to the earth when his creation is finalized. The sun and the moon will no longer shine. They will have no use in the new kingdom. And the stars, they won't shine either. In addition, we will see the Son of Man coming onto earth in clouds in great power and glory. It seems necessary for God to strip away all the things, stars, the sun, the moon, and the universe, to return so Jesus can return to earth and to, back to how it was originally created before the fall. The sun, the stars, and the moon's light will be replaced by Jesus. He is the light. From here on out, let's use reference to Isaiah 51, verse 6. I'll paraphrase here, but it says, And the heavens will vanish like smoke, and the earth will wear like a garment. Jewish belief teaches that after this, he sends the angels to gather the faithful of earth from everywhere on earth and heaven to bring them to Jerusalem. Verse 28 says, We know that summer is near when the fig tree's branches become tender and sprout leaves. This compares Christians waiting for the Lord to figs so they may realize the Lord's time is near. He did, not, he did not tell us when he would come back, but he did give us the signs to watch for so that we know that the time draws near when he's coming. He says when you see these things taking place, you know that he's at the door or the gates. Remember that he, he withered a fig tree before entering his temple at earth. Now a fig tree is blossoming to bear its fruit and showing that it's time for Jesus to return to earth. I found that kind of neat. Use a fig tree both times. Verse 30 is a stumbling block because of so many different interpretations. Basically, it, the disciples misread it and said, oh, he's coming back sooner rather than later. But the way Jesus meant it he would return as soon as everybody possible on earth would have his good news, news and come to faith in Jesus. Our Bible says that his words will never pass away, but the heavens and the earth will. Again, I reference Isaiah 51, 
verse 6. Jesus now tells us that he doesn't know when his time is going to come to return. The angels don't know. Not even Jesus knew. He's God. Only the Father knows the time he will come back. And verses 34 through 38 tells the story of a man going on a long journey. He leaves his servants to their work and tells the doorman, Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. In the evening, or at midnight, or a cockerel, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And I say to you, I say to all, watch. I find a connection with this man, the doorman, to watch Jesus. He said, I am the threshold or doorsteps of his returning. To conclude, I will remind all to stay alert and part anticipate the Lord's return. This is a matter, the matter of eternal life and death with people waiting and watching for his return. All, everyone on earth, should wait patiently and above all, watch. Thank you, Tina and Mike, and Mike and Tina. Incorporate in the Advent wreath your message for today. That was two for one. Okay. Okay, and, and I noticed you have your sleep shirt on. Is that, is that pajama top? For God's sleep. Oh, God's sleep. <laughs> I understand that's more effective than melatonin. <laughs> Amen. Well, thank you. And if you would consider assisting us in the lighting of the Advent wreath, do let us know, and we'll make sure that bulletin. And if you would like to have material for that, we also provide material. But if if you share from your heart um, personal testimonies, you know that would be just that would be wonderful. Let's go before the Lord in prayer, shall we? as we prepare for special music. Father God, we want to thank you for blessing us in so many ways. And when so much fraud and corruption and deception and fake news in, in, in our society, we, we come against it in the name of Jesus Christ, which brought good news, the gospel. As we enter into this season of Advent, Advent means breaking of the divine into the human, we thank you, Father, for the breaking news of Jesus Christ, his born in the hearts, in the minds, the bodies, the spirits, and the souls of people that open themselves. And we want to be open to you, Lord, as we prepare for Holy Communion. Communion within the United Methodist Church is open, and there's really basically only two criteria that We've asked for forgiveness of our sins. We've repented. We've changed the direction from self-centeredness to God-centeredness. And then we are called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And, and to love our neighbor as ourself. Jesus took some 640 mosaic commandments and was re reduced from the 640 to the 10 commandments. And then Jesus reduces it into two, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, and our neighbors as ourselves. We pray, Father, that you would bless our, our gifts of our prayers and our financial gifts today, and we ask that you bless the elements, 
these tokens of your body that was broken for us, your blood that was shed for us. We, uh, we pray, Father, for your peace, that we'd not be led by fear, but be directed by the peace and the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. We pray for those who have succumbed to this dreaded disease. We pray for Shirley, the daughter of Joyce Arkins. We, we pray, Father, for this family that have gone through the death and the trials and the, the decision to, to remove their beloved loved one from machine that supported her life for, for a number of days. We pray, Father, that newness of life would be restored among both believers and unbelievers because there's a fear and element of, of distrust in our society. We pray, Father, we thank you for the return of Marie Wade, who has been such a prayer warrior of our church in that. We thank you for your hand of blessing upon her family as they recuperate in the many prayer requests that she prays for us and others. We pray for those who are viewing by way of television that are, that are in kind of like a form of seclusion and just um, the nightmares and suspicion and the weariness of even next door neighbors. We pray, Father, that we would be led by your spirit. Help us, Father, to help us not to be led by fear. Pray that a hedge of protection would be surrounding us. We thank you for our Sunday school class, Ira, and we thank you for Mike and Tina sharing and for those who are going to be stepping forward in the following Sundays to, to share the lighting of the Advent wreath. We pray, Father, this in your name as you've taught us all to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, we're going to call on Gary and Kathy Gross and Robin Larson. And I wanted to share a uh, prayer request, Lee Gross um, is really um, struggling with um, throat problems and skin problems, otherwise he'd certainly be here too. So do remember um, um, Lee Gross in your thoughts and prayers. And, and um, Gary or Kathy, would you kind of explain a little bit why you chose this number? <laughs>
Amen. Thank you, Clarice and Gary and Kathy and Robin. It's uh, such a joy when people let us know how much they appreciate our worship services. And if you appreciate, we appreciate calls and letters. It's it, it's encouraging that we we know that you are encouraged by by our sharing in that. So this is a time of of encouragement. We need to be encouraged. Many of us kind of sometimes build our hopes on maybe politics or sports or the economy and you know and we find that we live in kind of shaky times and Advent is a time of renewal you know just as children are expectant and look forward to opening gifts we need to open the gifts of God's Holy Spirit and and share Christ share the good news a need that all of us have is is comfort also say it with me comfort isn't there something comforting just about the word comfort and saying that Isaiah chapter 40 Isaiah the prophet in the 40th chapter verses 1 and 2 says comfort comfort ye my people saith your God speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem the writer suggests that as so goes the days of Israel, so goes the day of the world. And he goes on to say, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that, that the troublingness of the land of Jerusalem and Israel is, is coming to a standstill. And it concludes on verse 2 by saying that her iniquity is pardoned. Um, all of us that are humans here upon earth make mistakes. We're all fallen human individuals. We sometimes choose to go on our own ways. And the Bible reminds us again and again, lean not unto thy own understanding, but lean unto the Lord. Today we're, we're standing in the gateway of Advent. Advent season. And I wish that the authentic thrill, the authenticity of this first Advent could lay some deep spell, the spell upon our spirits. Sometimes in the Christmas carol, we probably are more like the Scrooge than we are like the angels. We're more takers than, than givers of the stewardship that God has given us. The space we breathe in, the space we walk in, and even um, being courteous and kind to that person that just seems to wiggle in to our parking spot. What does Advent mean? It means the glory of the Lord the coming of the Lord and how we need that new spirit of the coming of the Lord into our hearts and into the world today. It, it means the breaking in of the divine into human history, of the supernatural into the natural. It means a sense of something great, great impending 
from this side of heaven, from heaven to earth. The world is, is, is blundering in a morose of sin and sorrow. It seems like it's almost next to the abyss when it comes to answers to problems. And even in our own state, we've seen some 1,500 businesses demolished. And even law enforcement in precincts were abandoned. For what cause? There seems not to be an answer. The running of blood, the loss of hope, completely the in the church stands listening and the church stands intent for God is marching on and that is what Advent is all about. And, and people, people such as you and I, we have our personal problems too and there, there are brave faces which um, try to hide sore hearts. We look to health. We see our own bodies disintegrating around ourselves. And we see the secret wounds that ache and, and a restlessness new every morning. A restlessness new every morning. And life is terribly, terribly much harder for some than any who see them can imagine. And even God seems to have forgotten to be gracious for the spirit-filled Christian. But sometimes through all the darkness shines this light and, and the troubled heart grows calm again. And we begin to realize those words, be still. Be still, my soul, for God will surely come. Be still, my soul, for God shall surely come. That's Advent. That's Advent. And then we hear the wings of music. That's why I know some of you like almost the introduction to a musical number and the testimony of why that number means so much to the party that's sharing it. Because sometimes the medium is more important than the message. But once you get the message, then you find the continuity between the medium and the message. And that's what the wings of music does. I wish we could all recapture that authentic thrill of this dear Advent time, the singing of the angels, hallelujah, the king has come, to the shepherds, to the wise men. But words, words are very poor. Things to convey it, it needs sometimes the wings of music. Some of us were, have listened to Christmas carols before the Thanksgiving spirit. And I, I grew up in a community, Eagle Bend, Minnesota, which um, the middle of November, even during Thanksgiving, that the pharmacist on Main Street, by way pharmacy is now turned into a senior citizen, he'd start playing Christmas carols like 24-7. And at times there were some complaints, but the complaints dwindled. 
because it just seemed that the peace of the Christmas message in music brought a sense of peace and comfort. We want to help one another catch that Advent spirit. And then the carolers, the singers, and the joy that was bestowed by Christmas carolers to the shut-ins and those in nursing homes in the joy that was brought to the faces of the people, the recipients, can never really truly be measured. Those mighty melodies of Bach, in which the passionate, desperate yearnings of generations and centuries have been caught and, and concentrated, sang next of the joy which midnight and we are in a midnight hour, turns to morning, a death, turning into a resurrection. We hear those, those numbers, wake, 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 awake, the night. The night is flying. The watchmen on the heights are crying, awake, Jerusalem, at last. And I think that songs and hymns and music can carry us nearer to the burning heart of the Advent message than all the sermons and sometimes the discourses that the world gives us. And so I, so I hope this comfort, this comfort that, and hope that what I cannot do may be accomplished for some in the church today when the time comes for us to sing our final hymn. I've been with many a dying person over the nearly 50 years. And sometimes the dying will sing a favorite hymn just before they close their eyes and leave this mortal body. And the great cry of the souls which the church for hundreds of years has lifted up to heavens. Some of the most recent Hymns that I've heard from the mouths and the deaths of our saints have been, O come, O come, Emmanuel. You cannot sing it without seeing a multitude of hands almost stretched out to God in a passionate pleading down the ages. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransomed, ransomed captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. And then the great crashing chords of triumphant, triumphant reassurance, rejoice, rejoice Emmanuel, shall come to the O Israel. That's Advent, that's comfort. The call to comfort and that's the spirit of that text in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 and 2. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. And I know, of course, that the Advent gospel has another side to it. it I know there is, there's a day, there's a day of the Lord that is like a thief in the night. That's why the scripture we read today is that we are to be watchmen on the towers. That means as we are to be 
watchful, for no one knows the day or the hour of the return of Christ. And as we live more and more days, we get more and more closer to his return. And I have read the word of God, and I've heard its great commission. It says to cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voices like a trumpet. I have heard the terrible, startling urgency that was in the voice of Jesus when he, when he tried to shake us, you and I awake from our slumbers. Our slumbers when it comes to our prayer life, our slumbers when it comes to our giving, lest they should be found, as the scripture says, lest we be found as loins ungirded, unprepared, and lamps, lamps that are unlit when at midnight came the cry. But I know also that, that beneath all the drums and beneath all the thunder of the Advent symphony, there's a deeper, much deeper undertone the music of the peace of God that passes understanding. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. How many times I've heard a dying Christian, and especially a dying clergy say, if I had my ministry to live through again. Many of these saints of God at the close of a very long life have said that I would strike the note of comfort. Comfort, because comfort is far oftener a need in the lives of people. I would cry out comfort and if there were only one more sermon to preach or one last message to, of life that would go out, I think the text would have to be not, not, be not deceived. God is not mocked, nor anything of the kind, but rather this, the eternal God is thy future, the eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are his ever, everlasting arms. Those are the dearest words of our Lord Jesus when Jesus says, come unto me. Come unto me, all ye that labor and, and are heavily laden, or, or that of Jesus' greatest heard, comfort ye, comfort me, my people, saith the Lord, your God. You know, this is not sentimental. This is not sentimental. There is un undoubtedly a, a type of character which accepts the consolations, the consolations of religion that almost wallows, wallows in them, in fact, without ever facing the challenges of true religion. And that is sentimental. That is the kind of follower who brings down the name of Jesus in the eyes of the world. Sentimentalism is enjoyment. Enjoyment without obligation. But the true comfort of Christ 
is a strong, is an embracing, reinforcing thing. It's like a, a wind. The times that we've been fortunate enough to go with Gary and Kathy and their yacht. Winds are important if you're trying to sail. It's like the gift of a job to a person who has been for years out of work. It's like a wind to a boat that has been becalmed. It's like the clasp of a friend's hand in a, in a time of need. This is certainly the root, the root in the definition of the word comfort in the New Testament. And when Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to be studying about the Holy Spirit probably sometime in February and in our Bible studies on Wednesday nights. When Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit as a comforter, he's really giving a promise that God will stand by us and for us in the day of our need and, and brace our heart and give a sense of nerve and, and strengthen our arms and in the day of our needs embrace our hearts and nerve our arms and make us more than conquerors through him that strengthens us. And it ought surely to be possible to proclaim that this without a sense of sentimentalism. It should be failing you if I attempted for one moment to minimize or to conceal the essential hardness of Christianity to take up our cross daily and to follow Jesus. It's, it's going to be hard at the end of our day, but we should be failing even more if we did not tell us of the comforting Christ. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem. In this contest, it not only speaks to a geographical setting of a, a land with a new capital, comfort, my people, Jerusalem, but it speaks to the broad spectrum of those who bless Israel. God's word says, I will bless those who bless me, who bless Israel, but I will curse those who curse or make light of Jerusalem and Israel. Whereas the words are better translated, speak ye home, speak ye a sense of home to the heart of Jerusalem, and comfort ye my people, saith your God. If I say the word home, sometimes people think of their birth home, where they grew up. Home was a time where they spent it with their parents. Home for others speaks of a time where they reared their own family. For others, home is a place where they're retiring and their next move may be with the Lord. Jerusalem, think of her for a moment, how terribly she needed comfort. All that cliched history behind her, the dreams that flickered out of Mount Gilboa, where Saul and Jonathan lay dead. Saul, who requested 
those close to him to slay him, lest the enemy mutilize, mutilize his body. Even after his death, they took his head and dismembered his bodies and placed it in their pagan temples and places. Or think of the glory of David, the glory of David, David who, was, who claimed to be a, a person after God's own heart and had some 500 wives and 1,000 concubines. But God said David was a man after his own heart because he knew repentance and he, he sang the, the psalms and the, and the hymns of praise to God. The glory of David tarnished by one unguarded hour when Bathsheba meant more to David than God. And maybe that hour that you experienced when that secret sin was more important than your relationship with God and what you knew was right. Or think of the long battle of the prophets, uh, the, the thunders of Sennacherib, legions down the plains of Escardon and across the borders of Judah, the, the bitterness of the Babylonian, the Babylonian bondage when the exiles wept for Zion and the hearts sung silent on the willows. And they said, how shall we sing unto the Lord's song? How shall we sing it in a very strange land? If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, the eyes peering through the dark, the voices crying, how long, how long, O Lord, how long? And the hands, the hands battering in opportunity at heaven's door, the, the cry from the last ramparts of the soul, it cries out, watchmen, watchmen on the towers. Will the night soon pass? Will the day and the sun soon rise? In all of that, the centuries, and then, then we hear these words from the prophets, comfort, comfort, comfort ye my people, saith the Lord your God. And so the new dawn came. Father, with every head bowed and every eye closed and Christians here in preparation for Holy Communion, it was needed then, it was needed then a comfort and we know it of comfort, it's also needed now. Think of God looking down at this world today where we are at war with one another and division. We cannot hear the love song of the angels. God seeing all the pathetic wreckage of broken hope with, with which the sea of life is littered in, in our struggles and our gropings for the light. What do we imagine? What do we imagine God must be feeling? as God contemplates the human scene. Do we anticipate anger or do we anticipate impatience or contempt or disdain? Surely the writer experienced in the Bible of what life and parenthood had taught him. For he wrote the words, like as a father, as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth the one that fears him. I read recently of individual that was providing toys for his little tot 
the toys he called, which tells how one day his, his little son, having been disobedient, was sent to bed unkissed, and how the father relentingly crept up later that night into the room, and there the child lay asleep, his face still wet, wet with tears, and, and near his head on a little table he had a, gathered some favorite toys, a, a box of crayons, a, a few shells, one or two copper coins, and, and to comfort his sad, small heart as the father kissed those childish tears away and, and left others of his own, it occurred to him that, that perhaps God might be feeling towards all of his sons and daughters of this world. And just as he felt that night towards his little sleeping child, when thou rememberest of what toys we made our joys, how weakly understood thy great commanded good, then fatherly, not less than we whom thou hast molded from the clay, thou leave thy wrath and say, I will be sorry for their childishness. And as a father pitieth, so pitieth the Lord his children. And surely if ever there was, that was true, it must be true about our waywardness, our blundering, our unhappy world today. And, and we cry out, Comfort ye my people, saith your God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and by way of television and radio, you can say this very brief prayer as you dedicate or rededicate your life to Christ this Advent season. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, forgive my sins. Help me to repent, to be directed towards you. Comfort me, O Lord. Comfort our country. Help us, O Lord, to live anew. In Jesus' name, amen. That prayer is basically the genesis of preparation for communion. To know that you're praying for us and, and that you're interceding for us. Let us join now in our offertory prayer just before we turn to our doxology and as we leave and take our communion elements. Great God of wonderful surprises, we enter this season of preparation for your son's coming, looking not for just a memory of past events, but anticipating a return. We strive to get our lives in order and pray that our giving of ourselves to these preparations might reflect the earth-shaking importance of his coming. Help us to give ourselves generously, for we do not know the day or the hour. We pray in the name of the one who will come. Amen. Would you stand with me for the doxology and closing prayer?
God of mercy and compassion, what is offering that means most to you and pleasing most to you is an open heart and contrite spirit. Certainly not the token gifts that make us feel we've done all that is required, but, but a gift that reminds us that a need has been met and can be given extravagantly. May the gifts we give through your church help the hungry, the thirsty, the imprisoned, but may our whole beings be centered on seeing the opportunities to personally make your love real to a hurting world. We follow and pray in Christ's holy, loving way. Amen. Right. That's a month before January. So that will be, yes, and I'll do an all-church call to a trustee meeting, trustee meeting, and you're all welcome to come to the trustees meeting. And they target coordinates um, their business so Mike can come. Yeah, trustees, so. If you want to see Mike in person, just come, trustees. Nine o'clock, Wednesday. Thanks, Chris. And in the offering envelopes, that saves us a couple bucks so we don't have to mail them out. Father, we just want to thank you that we're called to be a praying and praying and a caring church. And we pray that you'd bless the elements, the body of Christ, which is broken for us, and the blood of Christ, which is shed for the forgiveness of our sins. We within the United Methodist Church believe in open communion, and we just need to judge our relationship with God and our neighbor. To love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Bless and keep us now as we go forth in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.